In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is the Sunday of All Saints. And this is something I didn't do back when I was an evangelical. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm still an evangelical, but you know what I mean. We didn't really praise a lot of saints. But it is meet and right that we praise Peter and Paul and Claire and Teresa of Calcutta. We name our churches after them, like St. Bartholomew. My children are Elizabeth, Patrick, and then Flannery Agnes, each with a patron that they celebrate every year. Because these are our heroes. We tell their stories. Their stories are called hagiographies. Because the word hagios means saint. Where, where we get the word saint means holy. It means holy or set apart to God. We venerate them. Some of us, maybe not all of us, but some of us even ask that, that they pray for us. The reason we do that is because we think that our Bartholomew or a Blessed Virgin Mary, Teresa of Avila, that their prayers can pretty much find their way to God's ears. So every week we say we believe in the communion of the saints. This mystical union of the church militant and the church triumphant. The church on earth and the saints in heaven. And we're part of that communion, even with the faithful under the old covenant, the great cloud of witnesses from Hebrews 12. But it is not just the uber-holy that concern us. Did you know that when a New Testament writer uses the word hagios or hagioi in, um, in the New Testament, that typically it is an apostle writing to a group of believers who are very much alive in a particular city. So Romans is addressed to those loved by God and called to be saints. Or even today in Ephesians, it talks about the saints. The same with 1 Corinthians, those sanctified in Christ and called to be saints. So what does it say about us that we now typically limit that term to mean men and women, most of them long dead, who are renowned for extraordinary piety. Dallas Willard, philosopher and Baptist minister, says this. He says, think of how we exclaim and mark as rarities those who truly seem to have the power and spirit of Christ about them. The very way the bright exceptions stand out proves the rule that the guidance given by the church is not even counted on by the church itself to produce the kinds of people we know it should produce. We simply do not expect to be saints, but we should. So here's my question for the day. How do you build a saint? In her little book about the rule of St. Benedict, uh, Esther DeWall quotes a Trappist monk who says, Miracles may show me the saint. They do not show me how he became a saint, and that's what I want to see. It's not the completed process that intrigues me. It is the process itself. Tell me what was churning in his soul 
as he battled his way up from selfishness and the allurements of sin to the great heart of God. How do you build a saint? Well, I want to suggest an answer, and the way I want to do it is to think about three things. One, the seal of sainthood. Number two, the substance of sainthood. And then finally, number three, the secret to sainthood. So first of all, the seal of sainthood. There's a a verse in Revelation, uh, the last book of the Bible, that says, do not, it's where an angel is talking, and says, do not damage the earth or the sea or the trees until we have marked the servants of God with a seal on their foreheads. Now, what is this seal God gives to protect his servants? Well, it seems to me it clearly cannot be a seal to protect them from physical harm. Because you know as well as I do, Christians get debilitating illnesses. They die in car accidents. They, um, things happen to Christians just like every other person. In fact, our own St. Bartholomew died a martyr specifically because he was a Christian. Uh, my friend Red sent me a text last night. She didn't know I was going to do this, but she sent me a text had a picture of a quote from a wall in the Shin building on Lipskin's campus. It's a, a quote from George Shin, a former or, owner of the Charlotte Hornets, a Franklin native. He donated $15 million to the university in 2017. Makes him a good man. I like that. Um, the quote reads, Always put God first in everything you do, and you will end up happy, and successful. Man, I don't know. If the saints tell us anything, it is that the seal cannot mean that you simply follow Jesus and everything's just peachy. But the word for seal can mean something else. To seal something means to say, mine. Like a book plate on the front of a book, it it designates ownership. So today at the 11 o'clock, I will get to baptize two brand new Christians, Brooks and Spencer. I'll anoint them with oil on their foreheads, actually. And I'll make the sign of the cross and say, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. That seal marks them. That's their initiation into Christ and his body, the church. Baptism is how a saint is born. We're sealed as God's own. God looks at us and he says, that one's mine. So it is our surety that God will never leave us, never forsake us, whether we are successful or happy or not, Mr. Shin. And it is also a guarantee that we will slowly but inexorably become more like Jesus because, as my old pastor in Mississippi used to say, God loves us just like we are, but he loves us too much to let us stay that way. That's point number two. You have the seal of sainthood. Point number two is the substance of sainthood. What's it made of? What's it look like? When today's gospel, Jesus lists eight qualities or eight beatitudes. Poverty, hunger, meekness, 
peers, being hated, excluded, reviled, defamed. And then there's a similar place in Matthew where <clears throat> Jesus is preaching and he adds four more um, qualities. Thirst for righteousness, mercy, purity of heart, and peacemaking. And they are, all of them, marks of life in the kingdom of God. John Stott, in a little commentary, says the group exhibiting these marks is not an elitist set, a small spiritual aristocracy, remote from the common run of Christians. On the contrary, the Beatitudes are Christ's own specification of what every Christian ought to be. Ought to be. All these qualities are to characterize his followers. There is no escape from our responsibility to covet them all. Want to know how to spot a saint? You look for these qualities in the life of someone. But please, please, please do not hear me saying, come on people, just be better. What confounds us, I think what confounds me, is my utter inability to exhibit these qualities in my own life. My utter inability to be a saint. And that's where the gospel comes in. We can't be holy even as God is holy. So that drives us to the cross for grace. And then we come to Jesus who lived the life we should have lived and died the death that we should have died. And it's only then that we begin to see that the substance of sainthood, this following after Jesus has to be done out of gratitude and not law, out of faith and not fear. That is the substance of sainthood. So the seal of sainthood, substance of sainthood, one last point, and that is, what is next? The secret to sainthood, and it is actually just this. Start. Just start. Ancient Chinese proverb, every journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. I mean, nobody's born, I don't think, with the ability to give away everything they own and then go to Calcutta and live with the poor. You start with the simple things, the little everyday things in your life to build a habit of holiness. You go to Mass. You say your prayers. You... Meditate on scripture and live simply. Make your confession. You taste forgiveness. You love others. And when you start, you know that the strangest thing happens. You find joy. You find joy. One last quote. Richard Foster is a Quaker who writes about spirituality. And Foster says... Don't think of the spiritual disciplines as some dull drudgery aimed at exterminating laughter from the face of the earth. I forget who it was that said that a Christian is someone who thinks, Morgan might know the quote, that, that there's some, is worried that someone somewhere right now might be happy. That's not what we're talking about, right? <laughs> Joy is the keynote of all the disciplines. The purpose of the disciplines is liberation from the stifling slavery to self-interest and to fear. When the inner spirit is liberated from all that weighs it down, it can hardly be described as dull drudgery. Singing, dancing, even shouting, old St. Bartholomew, characterize the disciplines 
spiritual life, singing and dancing and shouting. The saint lives into that joy, sealed as Christ's own, letting God turn him or her into the same kind of thing as himself. And that is why we remember the saints. And we ask them to pray for us. The Blessed Virgin Mary, Peter and Paul, Blessed Bartholomew, Saints Claire and Francis, Elizabeth, Patrick and Lucy, and all the company of heaven, to pray for us that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.